We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Rodney Wood! (laughs) (laughs) Next time we get a point. (laughs) We know whose turn it is. Rodney Wood! (laughs) Kyle Jackson! Back again. Yep, here we are again. Another day, another podcast. Today, what are we going to talk about, Kyle? We'll talk about... Don't um, do it. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about uh, an extremely, I guess, dangerous area to talk just because of the... The variations in all, I don't want to say variations, but the viewpoints in across the nation and mm-hmm. and the differences in how people like to hunt mm-hmm. and all that stuff. We're gonna we're gonna delve a little bit into into ethics and morals and and laws mm-hmm. and kind of how they differ and our viewpoints on them doesn't Mm -hmm. make it right wrong it's just kind of how we look at it i don't think we're going to take any real hard stances one way or the other but but just give you guys some food for thought yeah yeah one hard stance that i I do want to take on this is so these things a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today are things, and, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, um, and I think we've made it a point to uh, mention things like this. A lot of these things can be very divisive inside the hunting community. Uh, yeah, well, and, inside the hunting community, and, and that um, division within the hunting community then creates uh, room for those who would uh, like to take away those opportunities to have an avenue to do so exactly and and so a good point in this is um let's let's say okay baiting for bears okay okay so baiting for bears is illegal here in new mexico yes right it's perfectly legal in maine it is um in maine they have high Populations of bears, something like an estimated herd of 36,000. An estimated herd. Yeah. I don't think bears go in herds. But. Herd pack. <laughs> whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. So, so, estimated so population of Estimated population of 36,000 yeah. bears in Maine. Now, now Maine is, I'm, I'm not t- completely sure, but it's f- comparable in, in land mass size to New Mexico, I think. Uh, but... Here in New Mexico, we only have an estimated eight to nine thousand right. bears, and the big difference is, it's not it's not any secret, they have more rain, more water back there. Yes. It grows more plants, it grows more food. Thus, they have a higher population of bear than New Mexico. Our biggest problem, our biggest limiting, actually, I think Maine is uh, going to be a little a bit smaller. Yeah, about a quarter of the size, of, yeah, of, the size of New Mexico. <laughs> Um, I was trying to think and, uh, you know, look at the map in my head. Right. But, uh, thank goodness for computers. You can bring it up. Bring, and look bring at it up it. right there. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the limiting factor here in New Mexico for every species is water. Right. Right. And so you look at it and they have a population, estimated population of bears around 36,000 in Maine. Which is a quarter of the size of roughly a quarter to the third of the size of New Mexico, and so they those though the wildlife professionals in Maine have deemed that baiting is going to be a viable way for them to harvest bears so that they can meet their population exactly. Um, they well, they want to make it goals. They want to make it easier. Yeah, they want you to. Take they think a that, larger. That they're estimating that only about four thousand bears are going to be killed by hunters every year. Uh, and so that that is a tool that they have deemed is useful for them to meet those population goals. Here in New Mexico, we don't have those numbers, and we're meeting those population goals through other means. So, Correct. but 
then you get into it's legal here, it's not legal there. Is it right? Is it wrong? What is it? Yeah, and, and so and that brings me to the point that I was trying to make is so you might be in New Mexico and you might be saying, you know, I think it should be illegal to hunt bears or with with bait. But but why on earth would you go against our hunting brethren and not support them? They're 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 a different state with different rules, different land masses. Especially especially <laughs> if you haven't different been ter- there. Different terrain yeah. and different needs than what we have. Yeah. So I think that's something that we're gonna probably um, voice throughout this podcast today. Um, just because it's different in a different state, there, there are reasons that it's different. Um, and supporting our hunting brethren is important, even if we may not necessarily agree with their method of take. Um, we should support our, our hunting brethren for, for the reasons that there are lots of people out there that do want to take our hunting rights and we need those numbers absolutely to help protect our hunting rights. Yeah. So why alienate ourselves uh, from our hunting brethren by disagreeing with Well, I think, I think it just really boils down to non-judgment. We, we as humans are so quick to judge. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just in our nature to do that. Um, but when you sit down and you start to think about these problems, uh, and come at it from, from try and look at it and come at it from outside your viewpoint, Mm -hmm. each of us was raised in a, in a certain, um, a certain culture. Each of us was raised, you know, in a certain way with certain viewpoints, but I can tell you from personal experience, my viewpoints have changed, have evolved over time. So what, you know, the, the, the views that I kind of gleaned from my parents whenever I was a kid, Mm -hmm. um, my views are different as, as they should be. You shouldn't be stuck. It's a different time. Absolutely. But remember that when it comes to, you know, you know, you shouldn't do it this way. You should do it this way within the hunting community. Cause just like you said, they, what they do up there, mm-hmm. it works for them. Mm-hmm. And they have wildlife professionals that have said, yep, mm-hmm. this is a tool we're going to use. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's a perfect, it's a perfect, um, argument for what's happening in the legislature. Right. Right. Now. Exactly. And, it, know, and, and it, so a good, a good, um, so an important part of this is to to remember. So what we're talking about today is ethics, morals, and laws. So your ethics and your morals can be different across species, across the ways that. But the laws are, are, even though they may be different, but a law is a law. Yes. So we would never advocate to break a law. No. The law is the law. Period. Correct. So follow the law. But laws are different in different states, and that's where. You start discussing ethics, ethics and, and morals, and I have a great example and, of that. Yeah. I think I've given, I think I've told this story before. Um, is when I went to Barbary Barbary Sheep in down Texas. in Texas, where they're an exotic, mm-hmm. and you know the uh, went with a friend of mine, and his he said, "Well, we're going to sit on some salt first of all, over bait. That's not something I'm not used to." Yep. Uh, and if we kill one, if you don't like him, we'll just leave him there and go get another one. Mm-hmm. Totally foreign concept to me. Yep. Uh, I, of course, am not going to do that. Sure. That was it, the animal that I took was the animal that I was going to take home. Yep. Yep. And that's what happened. Uh, but that does not mean that, I, you know, they, Texas Parks and Wildlife, don't want the Barbary sheep, they're an invasive species. Mm-hmm. And so that's a tool that they have deemed appropriate. Yeah. And there's, and that's, and that's where you get the difference between laws, ethics, and morals. Correct. So your, your moral makeup wouldn't yeah. allow you to do that. Yeah. But their laws would. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of you practicing your ethical and moral values 
on the, top of on top yeah, of their laws. Their laws. Uh, and so that's fine. I mean, if you want to go to Maine and hunt bears and not use bait, by all means, do it that way. Yeah. Um, and don't let them come to New Mexico and use bait because it's illegal. Correct. But and I think that's the distinction that exactly. we want to make here is, yeah, I used I I felt or I used my morals, ethics, whatever you want to call them, on top of their laws. Mm -hmm. They did not supersede those laws. They were within those laws. Mm -hmm. Where you get into trouble is where you have a moral or ethical, um, you know, your morals or ethics don't agree with a law, and so you choose to break that law. Exactly. That's, well, that that's would, what we don't advocate for. That would be the main hunter coming to New Mexico and saying, listen, it's perfectly legal for me to hunt with bait where I'm from, yeah, so I'm going to do that's it here. stupid. I'm going to do it here. Exactly. exactly. Just as their laws are different for their, for reasons that benefit them, our laws are different for reasons that benefit us. Correct. Um, and, if, and if they were to come down here and start using bait on the bears, they would greatly deplete the bear population, and that's not what we're after. So, you know, you, you got to be aware of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's some, some really interesting areas here that, that we can talk about and, and hash and cuss and discuss. And I'm sure that even you and I may not totally agree on, on, on each of these. Of course not. Uh, so let's, let's get into a few of those. Where do you want to start out? Um, but let's talk about one we practice. Um, uh, something that I know that we've done in the past um, which is using radios. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there's plenty of people out there, <clears throat> excuse me, that think that it is unethical or immoral, not fair chase, to use radios when hunting. Mm -hmm. um, without giving too much away, uh, away in, in how we hunt, um, sometimes, and we don't do this all the time, it's a specific hunt that we we typically use yeah, this. Yeah, well, we, um, we used it once. Yeah. It's the only, the only time that we've actually used it. Right. Um, but in an instance where we would see a deer bed down a, a long distance away, uh, two of us would go on the stock with our radios, one in a high position to be able to see the animals um, communicating with us via radio to kind of help guide us in there. Mm -hmm. Legal here in New Mexico. Yeah. Certain places it's not. Yeah, certain places it's not. So that's not necessarily, for us, it's not necessarily a legal question here. It's a moral or ethical question. And so this is another one of those things that you may find, you may find your opinion on it uh, changing over the years. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I still m might use that, but... I think my internal compass is now changing to I would rather try and hone my traditional skills. Interesting, interesting sidebar. Yeah. We've never successfully done that. No, we haven't. This it hasn't the worked ones, for us. The ones that we actually took animals on, we were not using the radios. Yeah. So, very well, mainly because Dion can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Maybe because Dinon can't shoot within 10 yards. Sure. But, 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 but you're right. But you're, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we have yet to successfully complete uh, the harvest of an animal using the radio. Right. We've only the made, animals that we we've gotten close. The animals that we did harvest, those were without we radios. didn't use the radio. Correct. Amazingly. Yeah. You know? and, and like uh, getting back to my, my previous we, point. But, but we used hand signals. Yeah. And that's, that's, this, is, this is where I start questioning. The, because what's the difference? <laughs> you know, me looking back over my shoulder and seeing you give me hand signals, which you can get pretty detailed with some hand signals. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. Or you whispering in my ear, go left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and that and that's and that's the rub. There is is what's the big difference? And, and I'm sure if we had you know five other guys in here, we'd have five other opinions. In exactly. Here. Exactly. Um, Thankfully, we just have to listen to each other. But yeah. no. now, <laughs> but we do want to hear you guys' opinion. If you yeah. have an opinion on this, write us, tell us, let us know. We would be happy to 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 yeah. cuss and discuss it again. But uh, back back to my my former point, I I feel like personally my viewpoint on this is changing. 
not because of not because I think it's unethical to use radios, but because I feel like I need to sharpen my skills better and and not not that I need to sharpen my skills better, but I I feel like I want to feel like I did it the old way. Yeah. Um, you know, that that hunt that we go on, it's a traditional muzzleloader hunt. Um not again, I don't think it's ethical. I would probably do it again. Mm-hmm. But my feelings are not so decided right now. No. No, they're kind of I mean, I could I could literally see the argument either way. Um, you, do you remember you remember the bow hunt the the antelope bow hunt that that I went on with you? Yes. Where we we got this idea, you know, it turns out there's a lot of people who are a little further along on this idea than than right. we ever thought. But you know, we had this great epiphany. What if you you know it'd be awesome if you had a if you had a rangefinder that Bluetoothed to your GPS so that when you re- range find an animal. It puts that point on your GPS, and you can keep your head down and stalking mm-hmm. and get within range of that range of that animal. Turns out that you know that technology is pretty close to, if not already out yes. there. Yes. What's the difference between that and radios? What's the difference between that and handsets? Yes. Yeah. yeah there's, 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 it's a lot out of there. I mean, you know, but you know, like you mentioned that that hunt that we've done a few times is a restricted black powder. Mm-hmm. There's a perfect example of an ethical argument. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's on our list to talk about, you know, restricted black powder. Like you said, doing stuff in the old way. Is that... Um, so, so ethics is, is described as the discipline of dealing with what is good and bad and with moral duty and obligation. So we think of this as, you know, fair chase, mm-hmm. right? with an animal and we harp on not wounding animals and recovering anything that we shoot and stuff like this going with one of the most primitive weapons that we have which is a traditional black powder weapon i mean i i could probably argue that a bow is a, a compound bow is better um more accurate but i'm, I'm not going to get into that argument but I could argue it, whether I could win or not. I could argue that fact. You could argue that. I, okay. I, but I, but I, it is definitely... I could, argue, I could argue the other way. Uh, you know, we, we could argue, both argue mm-hmm. both ways and have anecdotal evidence for such. You know, yes. uh, how many bow hunters do you talk to that said, oh man, I stuck one, but I lost him. Yeah. You stuck one, but, yeah. but you lost him. Mm-hmm. But same thing with, with traditional... Um, black powder type rifles i've talked to several that have shot one and not recovered it mm-hmm. i'd be you know you've shot one and i not shot recovered one and recovered it, it. I shot um, him like 15 times <laughs> that's true. stupid deer wouldn't die he wouldn't die <laughs> he deserved to live he deserved to live and that's why i let him go <laughs> so you know those are not very good and those that tends to be where those conversations go mm-hmm. is you rely on your anecdotal experiential evidence versus you know uh versus good strong scientific based evidence which there's there's none saying that one is better than the other no no there's not um versus let's say somebody shooting long distance no yeah yeah type of thing yeah and that's and that's what kind of why i brought that up so there's no doubt there's no doubt there are plenty of people out there that have honed their skills to a point that they can do things with the black powder weapon that most people can't. Yeah. I won't, I will concede that fact right now. Okay. What we're talking about the average person. Yes. A much more accurate and lethal weapon is a centerfire rifle. Absolutely. So if we're talking about ethics and what's best for harvesting animals with efficacy, it's the rifle. Yes, for the average person. <laughs> right. But so here and, and, and this is where I think this is where where you get a deep ethical and moral argument. You do, except that I think you can boil it down to one single point, and that is a point that we have made over and over again, is that no matter what you use, be you proficient. should be proficient at it. Absolutely. Uh so if you're 
and 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 we'll come back to this probably again and again because again I think that's it it, it boils to, down to that single mm-hmm. point is if you're going to do something you need to be good at it if you are picking up a traditional muzzleloader because it's an easy tag to draw and not practicing with that implement mm-hmm. you are doing yourself and the resource and your fellow hunters a disservice you're absolutely right but I think we're, and to play devil, devil's advocate here, I think where the other side, the opposition to hunting, has an argument is uh, um, you can't regulate that. You can't. So they try and regulate what we can use rather than regulating that. And you can't regulate that. So, um, And there's no point in regulating that. No, I, I, no, I don't That's want that regulated. Well, in fact, uh, you know... There has been a strong push to deregulate some of the hunting, and yeah. I think the department has tried to do that. Uh, there are political games that have uh, not allowed some of that to happen. Some of it has happened. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of the new manner and method rules, um, they've relaxed. You know, this this is kind of actually where this topic came about. Was you and I w- was talking about. Um, Doing a manner and method. The the manner and method stuff where they have now said you can take an elk with a twenty two caliber mm-hmm. firearm. Which center of fire. Again, ethical, moral, and then legal. Legal. Yeah, there's three different things. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting concept. I mean, it really is. You know, you can, I mean, we can argue. I don't think anybody's going to argue the the efficiency of a rifle over an arch over a bow or a muzzleloader at all but here's here's something that we could argue um there's a lot of muzzleloaders out there nowadays that are nothing more than single shot rifles that's that's exactly <laughs> right which is why i really you know and that's that's what i will argue is i wish we had a few more actual traditional archery or traditional muzzleloader hunts mm-hmm. you know i i am traditional archery hunt. Uh, yeah traditional archery hunt. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna say i'm a purist but i am uh, you know if you're gonna hunt muzzleloader my opinion is you ought to do it the old way but you know the inlines they're, they're really no different than a, a single shot rifle no they're not i mean and I that's have, why i don't I have an inline and now, i love it now this is again comes back to our topic mm-hmm. um do i think it's unethical no do i think it's illegal no do i think morally it's wrong no but for me for my morals or my the way that i like to hunt my opinion mm-hmm. Is that I like, you know, the traditional black powder. So, um, I don't put in for any of the other muzzleloader hunts because I don't want to have to compete with it. Yeah. Now. And we have. And we have. Uh, But now, uh, you know, that leaves me, that's a choice that I make because it leaves me with fewer options to actually draw a tag with that that specific implement. Yeah. Yep. And it's, like I said, it's a very interesting dichotomy on, on how all of that plays itself out. You know, we've done rifle hunts. We've done regular muzzleloader hunts. We've done archery hunts. Um, we've yet to hunt traditional archery. Um, but, you know, the way, that we, the way that we do things, I think that all of us have our own set of moral and ethical values our own beliefs on what fair chase is. Um, and I think the most important thing that we're trying to stress is that we keep all of that within the bounds of the law in whichever state you happen to be in. Yeah. And so that's, uh, you know, you gave the definition of, of ethics. Uh, I think it, it's, it should, you know, it's fair to, to set out there the, the definitions of morals and, and laws uh, morals is of or relating to principles of right and wrong in behavior. And then you look at laws and, and it's a binding custom of practice of a community. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, one of the main points that we wanted to make is what is ethical, what is moral is really kind of based on your 
upbringing, your experiences, mm-hmm. uh, the climate that you were raised around, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's not necessarily you know your your ethics versus my ethics or your morals versus my morals. Uh, it's hard to say that that they're wrong because you grew up different than I did, right? Or someone who does not hunt. Their view on hunting, um, while I may not agree with it, I can't say it's wrong. Right. Because right. that's what they grew up with. Uh, and then when you look at, at laws, you know, each community, like we illustrated with Maine and, and baiting bears, mm-hmm. that region or that state has decided that that is a tool that they want to use and... Mm-hmm. They have passed that law to allow it. Yep. Well, and here's a perfect argument. So this is an argument that me and Dedon have been having for some time. And neither one of us is going to change our stance. It's not going to happen because I'm not going to change mine, I know. And he's not going to change his. Um, so he does a lot of hunting in Texas. Mm-hmm. He has... He has... Lean to the right! <laughs> he has a lot of avenues that allow him to do that. And that's great. Because mm-hmm. hunting is great, period, you know. Yeah. But he's he's taken his his kids on hunts um, where that's what they do is they sit in a blind until the animal comes up and then they harvest it. Yep. Most most that's what his the type of hunting. Yeah, that he that's, does the, he's, that's yeah. what he's done. Yes. And he has advocated to me that that is a great way to get a kid started because it allows them some success to to um, grow their love for the sport. Mm-hmm. And I have argued it took me many years to be successful. I hunted for many years with my family before harvesting a deer. Lots of years. Yeah. And it didn't diminish my love for hunting at all that I didn't succeed. It drove me harder to succeed. You know, and I've, and in my later years, I've been a much more successful hunter. Yeah. But my early years, I was not. So, but in my beliefs, teaching the kids that they have to earn their animal and teaching them that it is hard is the way to go. Yeah. And so there's a, again, there's a, there's a different, different difference of opinion. And that's just a difference of opinion. Yeah. And that's okay. That's all it is. There's nothing immoral. Or unethical about him taking his kids to do what he did. And there's nothing immoral or unethical about the way I want my kids to do it. Or illegal either way. Or illegal. Unless, you know, unless you're not abiding by the laws of wherever you're hunting. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic, fantastic example. And I can see both sides of it. Sure. Not being, not being involved in that, in that, uh, that dynamic, you know, because you've known Dion a lot longer than I have, mm-hmm. uh, I can see both sides of it. I can absolutely see his his um, argument, and it has some valid points. Sure, of course especially it with today's youth who need that instant, instant gratification, instant that innocent satisfaction. That's a great argument to put out there. Uh, that if you can get them some success, you can get them hooked. Yeah. Uh, I would tend, just because you and I think a lot more alike, I would tend to uh, agree with your viewpoint mm-hmm. a little bit more because I don't, I don't want my kids growing up thinking that uh, being successful at harvesting an animal is what hunting is. Exactly. But exactly. I absolutely do see his point, I and, too. and I think it has some validity, of course and I am not going to disparage that. No, uh, you know, if he wants to hunt that way, that's great. Yep. You and I are going to do things our way. But yeah. this is that's the division that we that we're talking about. We don't want to say, "Oh, he's doing it wrong." Mm-hmm. No, cuz he's don't. not. No. Because he's introducing kids into hunting. Absolutely. And however you want to do that or as our listeners, however you want to do that is the right way for you. As long as it's legal. <laughs> as long as it's legal. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, so we took Maggie on her her first hunt. And, and, and so this is where I do come in. So was her first hunt a traditional turkey hunt? No. No, it wasn't. We put her in a position to where success was much higher 
than just a regular turkey hunt, regular Much going higher. out into the forest. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you had just taken her out like like you had been taken out mm-hmm. into the forest, uh, she would have had to work a lot harder for it. Correct. You guys would have had to find the birds. You would have had to do scouting. You'd have to get in there early. That type of thing. We, um, you know, we had right there behind my house. Mm-hmm. We have a pretty good flock of turkeys that that have been coming in every day. Uh, and they still are. I hope they continue to do that for spring hunt, right? Because <laughs> we're not going to have much of. We're going to have hunt. like a half a day. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that gave her and and you, you, again, this is where you can kind of see the validity of of Dedon's point of view. Point of view yeah. Is we put her in that situation on private land mm-hmm. where we're both very much public land proponents. Mm-hmm. But if you have that opportunity, why turn that down to get a kid into hunting? Right. Well, it was the exact same thing that we did with Hunt It Forward last year. Absolutely. And that we're going to try and do with Hunt It Forward this year. Yeah. Is, is find a hunt with a high success rate, but more than that, a high probability of action. Yeah. You know, high probability of them getting to see animals, getting to stock animals, and getting to partake in hunting, mm-hmm. even if they're not... Um, successful air quotes in harvesting the animal just actually getting to hunt i've been on plenty of hunts where i didn't actually get to stalk an animal Mm -hmm. you know where you walk around the woods uh, you look and you look and you look and you just never get the opportunity to attempt to take an animal yeah and that's what we wanted with hunt it forward and with maggie is her to get the opportunity to uh I don't know how to explain it. Just the opportunity just a, just to, a, you know, to try a high, a high, high percentage. And she'll get a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and we get, and we gave her that, and she did get a shot, and she missed it, and it. I think it it really taught her some lessons. Yeah, of course it um, did. I think she's ab- she's absolutely absolutely still raring to go on yep. it and and hopefully now she understands a little bit more about the time she's gonna have to spend and possibly uh some better equipment a better mm-hmm. gun stuff she, like that she definitely understands the the feeling of being close to the wild animals now yeah and that's that's what we were looking for it's so what we were looking for with our hunt it forward is that interaction between uh, predator and prey because um, that's what it is you know us as the predators and our prey animals the, the, the interaction you know, the it, actual it hunting of an animal it doesn't have to be successful yeah um, as in harvesting because we view success much differently you know uh, uh, like our success in our elk hunt this year was not in harvesting an animal it was in seeing an animal <laughs> <laughs> So that was still a successful hunt, and we we learned something from that hunt. Yes, we took something from that hunt to add to our pool of knowledge. Yep, and that is what we view as success. Correct. So um, there are other people who have different views of success, and that's fine because that's how they view success. You know, one of our goals is to kind of redefine trophy animal. Yeah, um, it's one of the things that Nada Grande is wanting to do. And it's not just us. I think that's actually a, a kind of a, a beginning to be a push uh, amongst the hunting community yeah. because I, I think there's a realization that we have gotten enough off course that mm-hmm. uh, it's affecting There's a large how push. Yeah, there's a large push right now for you know, like your backcountry hunts. Yeah. There's a big push for that right now, and I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's... Um, you know, we talk about kind of being traditional, and that's as traditional as it gets. Yeah. Know? So, but yeah, there, there's a lot of things, you know, out there. It all, it also depends on what you're looking for, too. You know, because, like, we weren't looking to fill the pot with Maggie's hunt. No. We were looking to give her some experience. Now, let's say we were hungry. We hadn't had quail in a while, and we wanted some. Mm-hmm. You okay with skillet shooting? I probably <laughs> not. 
Yeah. Just just because just because and this is this is probably one that gets gets me a little more riled than most people. Um you know, you you and I'm gonna stray into a little bit of the This is a this is a very very gray area. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Poaching. Mm-hmm. Most people say, "Oh, if they're using the meat, it's okay." My argument is, poaching is yeah. Poaching is is illegal. Poaching is poaching. And there are much easier ways to fill your freezer. Well, I'm, and I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about. I understand that. that. Yeah, no, I understand yeah. that. But I'm saying it, it's kind of this. It's kind of along the same wavelength. The skillet shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're still talking about inside the law. We are. We are. <laughs> I'm just saying it, it. My feelings on it are still are along the same wavelength. In that, um, my morals go against it, and it's pretty easy for me to go out and pick up a chicken. Yeah, but I want a quail. I can go pick Let's up. It's I can the go. Last day of quail season. I can go pick. I can go pick up a quail last from from the grocery store. Evening, grocery store. Last evening of the quail hunt, mm-hmm. you have gotten no quail. I wouldn't. And you see them. I wouldn't. No, but are you going to blame somebody that does? That's my question. I'm not it's asking not you illegal. You would, you know? But see, there you go. And that's that's where we get that's where we get tied up, you know. Um, now I'm with you. I don't want to skillet shoot quail either. Yeah. Um, I'm riling you up on purpose here. I know, no, no, <laughs> but but same as shooting ducks in the water. I was I was I was just kind of giving you the the more of the underlying reason mm-hmm. of why I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Again, these are these are our our opinions. Uh, doesn't mean I wouldn't go hunting with that guy again. I might think twice about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, as long as it's within the law, uh, I'm not going to sign me for it. I'm I may choose a different way. What is, and I'm just curious here because I'd, I've never really known, uh, I'm not a huge quail hunter, what is the moral uh, problem with ground shooting quail? I think it's just the just, idea just of culture? giving, is no, it just culture? yeah, I think so. I think it's just the just idea of giving them a fair shot, get up, getting up in the, you know, you give them the chance to get up in the air and, and get a, a moving fair shot at them. Yeah. See... So now I have the same. Now I'm not a quail hunter, so I I I may not. I may be speaking out. We may be speaking out of turn here. Maybe we need to get a quail hunter in here. Right. Well, probably so. But <laughs> I have. So I have the same feelings when it comes to long distance shooting. Yeah. So the what you just said it it gives an unfair advantage to the hunter against the quail. You know, unless they fly, you shoot them when they fly. Well, I'm, I'm, so long shots to me. And, and don't get me wrong, I took a long shot this year. I yeah. shot my deer at 480 yards this year, which is not massively long, but it's a hell of a lot longer than I've ever shot before. Yeah. Um, and I didn't enjoy it. And I enjoyed certain aspects of it. I enjoyed the fact that I finally harvested a deer with deed on yeah. um, and stuff like that. But it almost felt wrong. It almost felt dirty to me because felt dirty. The deer didn't have a chance, no chance. But I, but I None think none whatsoever. Again, I think that it was not fair. I think that goes back to the way that you were raised. You, you and I, I like. Think, I, I, I don't disagree with you, but as far as is me personally concerned, I don't know that it goes back to the way I was raised. I should say as much I as say, it goes back to my feelings. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. The, when I say it goes back to the way that you were raised, taking into account the way that you were raised, your life experiences, the way that you like to... That's what builds yeah. your ethics and your morals. The majority of the hunting I did as a young man was archery and muzzler. Yeah. Yeah. Which... And that's what I mean by... The way I was The raised. way that you yeah. were raised because you had that experience growing up of being close in, having to be close in on an animal. Yeah. Versus somebody who has never experienced that. I can tell you this, I until I actually, you know, I, I hunted, I liked muzzleloader. Mm-hmm. I hunted rifle whenever I was a kid with my dad, but that, but, uh, you know, 
the only place we drew out was the Colin Neblet South, and so we <laughs> we saw even less elk than you and I and Didon saw. Yep. Uh, and then the next time that I got an elk was with the muzzleloader, you know, you and me and Ty. Mm-hmm. That was the next time I even hunted elk. Man, that was fun. So much fun. But the uh, first time that I hunted with a bow was in the Vivadol. Mm-hmm. And that changed my mind completely. Right. That changed my whole world being that close to those animals and watching a buddy take one at 20 yards and just, you know, standing stock still. And, you know, he shot him at 20 yards. He ran about 10 yards and stood there. Never mm-hmm. knew what hit him. Yeah. And we watched him drop and expire right there. Just, you know life-changing experience yeah yeah it's Uh, it's amazing but there are people who have not had that or you know may not choose to have that because they like shooting with a rifle and so man it 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 all gets all mixed up in a ball of emotion and and upbringing and this is why it is such a gray area and why i think we have to continue to stress that we should not judge each other for the way that a person likes to hunt in another part of the country as long as it's still legal right exactly and i I agree with you and that i think is the point of this entire conversation today um you have dedon and we're using dedon as as a lot of examples today because we can yeah and because we want to yeah and he's not here he's not here to defend himself so uh, but yeah, so he loves long distance shooting. He does. Just absolutely loves it. Gets off on it. It just, that's his thing. Now, he also loves what we all do together, which is the muzzleloader bow, bow yeah. stuff like that. You know, he loves that too. He loves getting close. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to blame him for, or, or, or I'm, I'm going to give him some shit because that's what it is. I'm not going to blame him. <laughs> Or think less of him for loving Maybe think the less long, long distance. The only shot. reason I think less of him is when he leans to the. I give him no. a lot of crap. Well, yeah, <laughs> I give him crap about. That. I, I think less of him only because he's a Cowboys fan. Yeah, that's for sure. Wait, <laughs> I'm going to alienate. I'm going to alienate a lot of our people. Uh, don't listen to what I'm saying. I, uh, I, you I have very us? little ground to stand on. I don't have any NFL team. Uh, I root against the Cowboys when I can. Uh, if you want to talk mostly football, if you want to talk, yeah, mostly because it's funny watching them get, you know, riled, riled up. up. But if you want to talk football, uh, you know, Rodney is the one to talk to. I, I'm, I just never got into professional sports right. very much. Right. So, um, uh, but mainly, I like to talk crap about Cowboys because Cowboys fans are easy to get riled up. Yeah, they are. They're fun. But yeah, so so with Dion and his love for long distance shooting, like I said, he. I, I think he was probably a little disappointed that I didn't get as excited about the long distance shot as he was. Um, it's just not in me. Yeah. It's just well, not. And I, and I know exactly where you're coming from. You take that same shot and you put it on a target and I am thrilled about it. Yeah, right? Because there's no, it, there's it, no chance of it being a bad shot. Yeah. And that's and that's exciting. That's to me a perfect example. So we went to me and I did a long distance shoot with D. Yeah. Where we were shooting out at a thousand yards. I think we were shooting at almost eleven hundred yards. And I loved that. That was cool. But when it came to hunting and putting my biggest problem with long distance shooting is there's too much that I can't control. Like you were talking about earlier, being proficient, right? Yeah. Um I, I'm the same way with archery. I have a distance that I'm not going to shoot past. Okay, can can you shoot these? Can you practice enough to be proficient at 100 yards? Absolutely, you can. Yeah. You can practice enough to where you can hit the bullseye 10 out of 10 times with a bow. And I think we're actually going to do a podcast with somebody who can do that. Um, Haley's mom, she shot Excellent. her elk last year, year before, at 80 yards. I would never even attempt that no. because I'm not proficient enough to do no. it. But it's not the proficiency that I have a problem with when yeah. it comes to this long distance shooting. Yeah. Okay. Be it archery long distance, muzzleloader long distance. It's just the lack distance. of control that you the have lack once of control that control 
that you have projectile once leaves. That, once you pull the trigger, yeah. Okay. In the distance, in the time that it takes a bullet to get to an animal at a thousand yards, that deer can take two steps. Yep. He can turn. There's so many things. Now that can happen too at close range, but the odds of it happening are much shorter. Again, I'm not going to tell them that they can't do it. Well, and so this is where it's my turn to play devil's advocate because you got a guy. We, you know, we say it's not about proficiency, but is that guy who's doing that, who has done that consistently and target shot and can hit a vital zone in all different kinds of weather, all different kinds of wind? How much different is he than the guy who is just average at shooting a bow, even within fifty yards? No, none. So there's again, none. that's I mean, what yeah, that's we, that's where we know. talk about this stuff, and it's very easy to pass that quick judgment. Mm -hmm. Very easy to say, "Oh, I wouldn't do that," but the, you know, I've got you know a good friend who does that long distance shooting all the time and i would say he's probably better at making those shots than the average person is with a bow oh i'm sure i'm sure and, and like i said I, the, the only the only concerns i have with it is what happens between the time that you pull the trigger and the bullet hits its target uh, same yeah. with an arrow i you know uh, i'm not i'm not going to shoot anything out past 40 yards can I shoot past 40 yards? Yes, I can. Mm -hmm. I practice regularly at 60 yards. But that doesn't mean I'm going to take a shot that long. Now, I'm going to, for, for just um, two big old two hundy steps out in front of me, and I'm going to break down like everybody else out there. <laughs> that big old two hundy is going to step out at 75 yards, and, and guess like, what I'm going to do? Buddy. 75 <laughs> yards it is. Um <laughs> Yeah, so just just to clear that, take, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, everybody everybody's morals go out the window when the big one steps when, out. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and try and lie to you. <laughs> you know, we go two hundred steps out there at 800 yards when I got a rifle in my hand and there's nothing I can do to get closer. Guess what? Send it. I'm probably going to do something stupid. <laughs> You know, don't think I'm trying to lie to you here. <laughs> oh, geez. And I think uh, that could be the, uh, the 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 crux of this whole this whole conversation is it all goes out <laughs> the window when the big one steps out. Yeah, it does. Every you know? bit of yeah. it. Well, listen, you know, even the laws, unfortunately, for for a lot of us go out the window when that big one steps out there. That is unfortunate. We had a big bull step out. <laughs> you got to keep bringing this up. Just you? <laughs> well, you know, we got to share. I, hey, we did the right thing there. We did do that. You did the right thing. I, did, I, I did tried like hell to get you like shooting. Um, and, and, uh, Ronnie's dropping crap dropping all over crap. the floor. But, uh, yeah, I mean, had that been a 400-inch bull, I, I would I would hope that I could sit here and say that I still wouldn't have taken the shot. Um, he was probably a 340 to 360 class bull, which is still a great bull. Oh my gosh, so he was a great bull, the biggest um, bull I'd seen. And and in a long time. Um, but yeah, he he was on the wrong side of the fence. Yep, barely. I mean, he was 20 yards across a private fence. Uh, and so so yeah, I mean I mean I understand that. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons that we do, maybe one of the underlying reasons that we do want to change the definition of a trophy. Yeah. Because too many times things like that happen. Too many times that trophy steps out and we do things that we shouldn't do because he's such a big animal. Yeah. And we all have that <clears throat> craving to get that animal. Yeah. And well, because it, it again, will, it comes it back to comes back worlds. to culture. Because for so long we've been conditioned to say every hunting show. Uh, again, 
remember this is just our opinion. We're not bagging on anybody. We're not judging anybody. But every hunting show that you see is about getting that big animal. Well, yeah. And it's a part of the hunting progression. Yeah. Okay. We, we, and we talk about that a lot. And yeah. it does within, within, I mean, it, within hunter education, they teach this as one of the steps yeah. in, in your progression as a hunter. Yeah. And we all go through it. I think, I think kind of, we're not trying to equate our audience. I'm not trying to equate our audience to kids here right now, but, but I think that that's what happens. You go through this progression in the stages, just like you go through stages of life. And, and not everybody goes get, through them at the same pace. No, you don't. But when you get to the end, you look back. Yeah. And you think, man, I lost weight. I probably wasted a lot of time chasing trophies as opposed to spending that time just enjoying what I was doing. Because yeah. at, at that final stage, which we're, what, is where we both are. Yes. Is at that final stage where it's about the entire hunt and, and sharing that. that with other people. Yeah. So that's where we are in this stage. Um, of our hunting lives, um, you look back, and that's the same thing that you do with your kids. You look back on your life, and you try and impart that wisdom. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand that they still have to go through those stages before mm-hmm. they get to where we're at. Well, I think it's, it's, again, human nature for us to want to protect them from making some of those dumb mistakes that we made. Yeah. And, and hoping that they do better than we do. Sure. You know, uh, that's just that's just human nature. But, but still, but not, you're right. But still everybody not blaming them if they do. No, still not blaming yeah. them if they do. Uh, but you're right. That's you know everybody, in some fashion or another, are going to go through those stages. Uh, which touching back on what you were talking about as far as redefining trophy, if we can do that, I think. Uh, then we're in a better place as a hunting community to get away from, you know, your ethics and your morals going out the window when the big one, quote unquote, right. big one steps out. Uh, there's a thing that 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 law enforcement officers and uh, you know, to to a certain point, uh, you know, military personnel do, and and it's not, eh, I guess, I guess it's not restricted to them but but they do it quite often it's in the training that they do where they play the what if game and you you know if you've never heard about it uh, basically it's it's you go through scenarios in your head what if this happened what if this happened and and it prepare you know it helps you think through different situations hypothetical situations um, to better prepare you for when a similar situation happens you have uh you know something to fall back on and i think that is a a good practice to do not only in regular life but in hunting and when you're out and about it wouldn't hurt for you if you're along the fence line to say man what if a 400 class bull steps out on that side of the fence and go through it in your head and that as funny as it sounds, just that little uh, exercise mm-hmm. does wonders. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, well, it prepares you. It prepares you, and that way, it's not such a shock and a oh, and oh geez, shit what do I do? Right when it happens, yeah. um, and, and I think that that if I could impart any wisdom, and I can't even call it wisdom, if I can impart any advice, it would be that. Mm-hmm. That as you talk with your hunting buddies, as you talk with your children, do that what if game. Yeah. You know, they try and they they do a fairly good job of it in the hunter education program where, you know, they took you through different scenarios where an animal's skylined shoot or don't shoot. Yeah. Uh, That's a real basic way of doing that. I think uh, you take that and you build on that as you go throughout your hunting experiences and add more complex scenarios in there so that when that moment actually does happen, hopefully you don't do what you thought you'd never do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that'll test you. I mean, it'll definitely test you. Um, I know we were tested that day. We, at least I passed that test. <laughs> um, and know, by like, proxy, I passed it. Cause yeah, yeah. Even, but even having, I mean on that, was it that same hunt? No, it was a different hunt. It, it, 
I think it was a different hunt when I was, um, and that wasn't even a trophy, but I was absolutely doing something wrong when I was trying to oh, shoot that, that deer. Oh, that's same that hunt. same we, hunt? Yeah, we were headed back to, tie, to yeah. the house, yeah. Yeah, when I saw that deer and I was trying to shoot that deer. Yeah. Um, now, the, And there's a perfect example of where ethics and morals, um, there was nothing unethical or immoral about that. It was just illegal. It was just illegal. Yeah. Um, and what we're talking about is, I, I, this is a long time ago, but I was trying to shoot a deer, um, not from the pickup, but uh, from the road, past a whitetail, standing up on the hill, and um, it was a whitetail, wasn't it? No, it was a, it was a mule deer. Yeah. Um, the only thing that, it, it was illegal because you were standing in the middle of the road. Yeah, that was the only thing wrong with it. <clears throat> so, so no, no ethical or immoral thing with it. It was just illegal. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was not standing, and, and that's a, I mean, that's a good way to look at that. Again, coming back to that dichotomy of ethical, is it ethical, is it moral, versus is it legal? <clears throat> Shooting a deer from a two track is neither unethical, immoral, or illegal, but mm-hmm. shooting a deer from the middle of a paved road is well, it wasn't paved it was, no it, it was wasn't dirt. i'm just saying i'm giving yeah. you an example yeah. shooting a but by law shooting a deer from the paved road is not unethical not a, immoral but it is illegal. illegal there's people out there that would argue that it is unethical. again that's what this argument is about yeah yeah and i don't disagree with i don't know that i disagree with them again that's part of our growth as hunters we do that and that's what we talk about we grow there i i, I don't I don't want to hear because there's probably some people out there that have led completely ethical and moral hunting lives, but that's not the norm. Yeah. Everybody typically has done something. At least push the rules a little bit. I'm not saying that there's probably plenty of people that have done nothing illegal, but I bet you money that most people have done something, you know, that other people might believe. Either either unadvertently or intentionally. You never know. And that's... Um, but we grow, you know, we grow in our hunting lives and in what we view as ethical or unethical or moral or, uh, immoral, we grow. And, and I know that there's things that I did as a young man that I wouldn't do today. Yeah. Um, and that's what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Is we're supposed to grow. We're supposed to educate ourselves. We're supposed to, you know progress and so that's the i think that's you know the interesting the interesting part and why we so often have these conversations amongst hunters is just that example right there the shooting from the road it's not illegal from a two-track but it is illegal from a paved road why because the laws are a custom or practice that has been set forth by the community. Yes, and and that and that's what it really boils down to. Doesn't again doesn't mean it's unethical. Doesn't mean it's immoral. Um, you may not agree with it, but that's the law. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it, there's nothing immoral or unethical about harvesting an animal in the summer, mm-hmm. harvesting a deer in the summer. But the laws are such that we don't do that. Exactly, we do it during season. Yeah. So so yeah, laws laws aren't built around. Laws aren't built around ethics or morals. They're built around population management. Population management and yeah. very rare occasion, you know, and you get the dumb one that happens because of political sure, pressure. But that's, sure. that is the and, nature of and, what happens. And to bring it full circle, that's why the, the bear rules are different in Maine than they are in New Mexico. Yeah. Our population could not survive... 4,000 bears a year. With, with people hunting over bait, exactly. which is much easier. Yeah. You take, Their population... You t- they have a 36,000 popula- estimated population in Maine. They take 4,000. That is nothing. Exactly. You got an 8,000 population. You take 4,000 bears and you it's have huge. decimated, decimated population. your population. And that's and that's why the rules are put in place. Yeah. It's not, not necessarily <clears throat> ethics or morals because ethics and morals are self-governed. Yes. Um, rules are put in place for population management. And our population couldn't handle that, but theirs absolutely can. So therefore, it is legal. And the nice thing is, uh, you know, I, I said occasionally a dumb law goes into place because of 
of political pressure. Mm-hmm. The nice thing is most of the time those are done away with within a short period of time because you realize the impact that it has on the population right. management and they don't stay on the books very long. Right. So that's that's the really nice thing about it. Well, man, this has been an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. If you um, have any comments, comments concerns, questions, yeah. man, give it to us. Yeah. If you have anything that, that you'd like to us to, we'd love to take up this discussion again uh, with some viewer questions, comments, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So hit us up at Facebook, Instagram, go to our website. Yep. Let us know. Thanks for joining. Adios. Adios. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors Podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.